And now, for your feature presentation. One, or two, or three, or four, but five, or five. Welcome back to the Force 5 Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleberg, and Force 5 is the show that forces a guest every week to come up with a movie-themed top five list, and then we talk about our picks on air. This week, my returning guest is Moose, Musa Mahmood, who was my very first guest so long ago, so I thought it was only fitting to have him here at Mile Marker 50. Wow, 50 shows. We are approaching Force 5's first birthday. Anyway... We're going to reach into the Facebook requests for this topic. You said you wanted to hear top five car chases, and I couldn't be any happier covering a topic like this. So many good cinematic car chases. But before the rubber meets the road, let's talk about what I've seen this past week. First up, I uh, wanted to quickly mention that I saw the Friends reunion show on HBO Max. I've never been an avid watcher of Friends, but I do like the show. If I had to guess, I think I'd I've probably seen maybe 70% of the series run. I think it's well written. I think at times it's very funny, and I understand why so many people connected to it and its characters. In fact, my wife is one of those people. She's a big Friends fan and has seen every episode multiple times, so she was very excited for this. So we sat down, we watched it the night it came out. Now, we were mistaken. For some reason, we thought it was going to be an episode an actual episode of Friends, and it's definitely not that. It's more like a retrospective compilation of interviews and, hey, remember this person moments? It's all with, it's all done with James Corden, who fucking makes everything worse. Don't like him, so there's that. You've got uh, old clips thrown in, and look, it was nice seeing genuine smiles as the cast members saw the old sets and they saw each other, and it really seemed like everybody likes one another, so there was this umbrella of positivity that felt very nice, but when this was over, it felt like something filmed for the extras on a Blu-ray set. It didn't feel like this epic reunion that I thought it would feel like. So if you're a big Friends fan, if you're a hardcore fan I think you'll get something out of this. For somebody like me, I could have done without it. So just take that into consideration. It's not a Friends episode. It's a retrospective on the show 17 years later. This week, I also continued my Death Wish journey with Death Wish 3 from 1985. New York, a city pushed to the edge. People pushed to the limit, and no one's got the guts to stop them. It's collection time, Charlie. Three murders, four rapes, nine acts of random violence. This isn't a neighborhood, it's a war. But there is one way, one man who won't be pushed, Charles Bronson. What's the problem? Now you're going to die. It'll be just like before, Mr. Vigilante, with one important difference. You're going to work for me. People have got to start to fight back and hard. I sent them a message. That's him. I'll take care of him. And now, he's in the middle of a war. Bad luck magnet Paul Kersey is heading back to New York City to visit his old war buddy. Unfortunately, the friend is killed before he gets there because there's a six-block radius in New York City that's like the Wild West, overrun by a rejected warriors gang led by Happy Days' Chuck Cunningham. 
So, Kersey's back on the job. He mails himself some guns and decides to show New York City that it's time again to fight back. In the first film, thugs led by Jeff Goldblum invade Paul Kersey's house, rape his daughter, and kill his wife. We get why he did what he did. In the second, thugs led by Lawrence Fishburne invade his house and rape and kill his daughter and his maid. Far-fetched, but again, we get why he did what he did. In Death Wish 3... He comes to a neighborhood that he does not have a connection to and gets embroiled in a war with a gang that there's really no great reason for. It seems like he does it more out of boredom than outrage. In truth, he probably only makes things way worse for the people in this neighborhood, leading to death, and of course, it's death wish, so rape, for people that are only tangentially connected to him. And maybe I feel this way because Charles Bronson was a shit actor. Yet again, he's got the range of a mop handle. It's tough to take him seriously when he's chasing bad guys because you know that in real life he'd never catch up to them. He runs less like he's determined to get somebody's purse back and more like he's trotting towards the bathroom, ready to unleash the fury of a thousand Chipotles. The film is very standard Death Wish formula, up until the last 30 minutes when it actually gets very entertaining. The neighborhood and the gang go toe-to-toe in what can only be described as all-out war. Molotov cocktails are being tossed through windows, Buildings are exploding. About a hundred people get shot and fall off of something. Hell, even a rocket launcher makes an appearance. Charles Bronson is the least entertaining part. As others are shooting and running for cover, Bronson just kneels lazily in the middle of firefights, carefully taking each shot with his oversized pistol. Any decent shooter should have been able to finish him off in no time, but this is a movie and having Charles Bronson dead certainly isn't going to sell theater tickets in Italy. All of your favorite mid-80s trash tropes are here, knuckleheads wearing spikes on their clothing, cars that crash into one another and explode as if they were made of hardened gasoline, trash and abandoned buildings are everywhere, we even get a rad disco track to start things off. So, my verdict on Death Wish 3, unless you're really invested in the Death Wish series, you can probably skip this one. The last 30 minutes is super fun, but the catalyst for Kersey's Rampage feels slight. And the first hour is slower than Charles Bronson's shuffling run. Pretty safe to be able to say you can skip this one. I also saw the new Guy Ritchie movie starring Jason Statham called Wrath of Man. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new addition. H. Portico Security specializing in cash trucks across LA. Do you have any idea how dangerous this job can be? Some out there, yeah. We ain't the predators. With a prey. You ready? Ready. This is your temporary sidearm. Why am I full of flint pistols in a machine gun fight? Do you have a problem? I don't know. Do I? It's a 10 grand drop. You should have been back five minutes ago. They're serious. Leave this to me. Get in the truck next time. Sorry, pal. Armored trucks are getting knocked off in Los Angeles, so this company, Fortico, fills one of their open roles by hiring Paul Hill, or H for short. After H stops a robbery in spectacular fashion, the team starts to wonder if he's exactly who he says he is. I liked Wrath of Man. I noticed that a lot of the reviews for this film have been negative, citing that the film meanders at times, but I enjoyed those moments in which we were just kind of hanging around with the armored truck crew. Josh Hartnett shows up as Boy Sweat Dave, and he instantly makes any movie better. Of course, all eyes here are on Jason Statham, and if you like Statham, there's no way you won't enjoy this. 
There's plenty of action, and you get to watch him roaming around like a badass. Uh, we do spend a substantial amount of time with the bank robbing crew. I guess they're not a bank robbing crew, but the armored truck robbing crew. And I didn't feel as connected to them, but when we were focused on them, I never felt bored. The dialogue at first felt a bit strange, but it also felt like it was written that way intentionally. I can see people not liking this, but my initial feeling was that it had a very Spartan or heist David Mamet vibe, and I really dug that. People are speaking very deliberately and with a very deliberate tone, and for the first 30 minutes or so, it almost felt like an adaptation of a play. Story-wise, of course, you get a few twists and turns, but there's nothing here you won't see coming. Then again, it's not really a whodunit. It's told in a non-linear fashion, but nothing is confusing. It just kind of jumps back and forth in time to give us context and other angles to the, to the initial robbery scene, which was filmed very stylishly. Richie obviously knows how to shoot action, and the action scenes here are done really well. Wrath of Man is nothing mind-blowing, it's nothing really new, but it's an enjoyable way to spend an hour and change, especially if you like Jason Statham. I'd recommend this, I don't know if I'll add it to my collection unless it's one of those screaming Black Friday kinds of deals, but if you need something new to watch and you're a big Jason Statham fan, you can't go wrong with Wrath of Man. Alright, last one up, let's talk about 1986's or 1989's, depending on which part you're watching, Winter Beast. Weird stuff is going on in the woods around the Wild Goose Ski Lodge. Three cops are investigating the happenings, but the owner of the lodge refuses to shut down for the winter because it's bad for business. Unfortunately for the visitors, the Native American curse that haunts the area is bad for everyone. This movie is wild. It was started in 1986, forgotten about, picked back up in 1989, and then they finished it. It feels like something that my friends and I could have shot in high school if we had a summer to fuck around and access to a couple of adults for the lead roles that would have happily taken beer and naps as payment. Now, I've seen movies that were low budget before, but I don't think I've ever seen a Blu-ray released for anything produced with the budget line listed as whatever you can find in the couch cushions and on your walk to the set. Actors in this film are regularly flubbing lines, which they just kept in the film anyway. The creature changes wildly from scene to scene, and the editing is just flat-out atrocious. All of this to say, it's also oddly endearing simply because of how small-scale and DIY it feels. The creature effects in Winter Beast are insane. They range from people in costumes to full-on stop-motion claymation. In one scene, a topless damsel in distress looks out of her cabin window, and in the next scene, we cut to a claymation version of what I can only describe as Dollar General Groot, who reaches into the window, pulls out a Play-Doh version of the topless woman, and smacks her into the side of a clay house with a thud. I've seen local student films that put this one to shame in regards to the production value. There are also full scenes with the music track going where you can see people speaking, but you can't hear it as if they forgot to layer that audio back in. The story in Winter Beast is one you've seen a million times. Hell, we just saw a similar story in my recent review of The Fear. Curses have been done to death. Nothing new here. The characters are all horrendous actors, but the guy who plays the lodge owner is particularly funny. If you've seen the classic comedy, Wet Hot American Summer, I have to believe that Michael Showalter had somehow seen this movie 
and channeled the performance into his turn as the comedian who kicks off the camp talent show because it is spot on what this dude was doing in Winter Beast. And like I said before, actors are misspeaking and flubbing lines and they just left it in. At one point, I had to rewind a bit to make sure I wasn't going crazy. This film is fascinating simply because it was released. As rough as everything is, there's a quality about it that's really fun to watch because you literally have no idea what's coming next. The monster can be a claymation alien in one minute, and the next it's a skull that's clearly a puppet bursting out of somebody's chest. And I found it very impressive that the filmmakers just didn't care and used whatever they had access to. Winter Beast will be tough to find on its own. Uh, this is another Vinegar Syndrome title. They released this as part of their homegrown horrors set. And unfortunately, this is the best of the bunch. The disc is absolutely packed with special features. And it's crazy that they were able to get some of these folks back for interviews and such because they've never been in anything else. I guess I have to recommend that people see Winter Beast because as bad as it is, it's still really interesting and very fun. It's almost time to talk top five car chases, but first, let's talk about today's sponsor who comes to us from the air. We've all been cooped up in our homes for a year, so let's get outside and see the world. And if you're ready to fly, there's only one airline that you should be looking at, the airline with a perfect safety record, Oceanic Airlines. And now, they're introducing their Golden Pass. The adventure of a lifetime awaits you. Oceanic Airlines will take you places you've only imagined in your wildest dreams. Now Oceanic Airlines is excited to announce your chance to get the Golden Pass. It lets you fly anywhere in the world, anytime you want, as many times as you want. To find out how to get yours, go to... Can't trust these people. So be sure to enter... Oceanic Flight 815. It's super easy. The rules are simple. We found it. Oceanic Airlines Golden Pass. Your ultimate passport to paradise and beyond. Head to flyoceanicair.com and enter promo code FORCE5. That's FORCE and then the number 5 for a free, yes, free bag of peanuts on any flight. This summer, fly with the airline that you know will never get you lost, Oceanic Air. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Force 5 podcast. Joining me tonight, I've got my PUBG Duos partner and best friend, Musa Mahmood. How's it going, Moose? I'm good. How are you? Since yesterday, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. Now, listeners, you may remember Moose from way back in my very first episode. That episode was five movies you haven't seen yet but want to. Moose, you were basically my guinea pig way back in the day. And here we are now, 50 episodes later. This is the 50th episode. Wow. It's amazing how this show has evolved over time. It started out with me just talking to friends, and now I'm talking to directors and wrestlers and rappers, and it's just... It's crazy how the show has evolved, but the person I talk movies with the most has not evolved. And of course, that's you. Today, we're going to be tackling a very requested topic. Top five car chases, which I'm excited about. Oh, yes. I very much looking forward to this. So uh, what is your inspiration for this list? Well, obviously, you and I talk a ton about our one of our favorite genres to watch, uh, action movies and it seems like one of the most staple things that, you know, when it comes to a quality action movie is a quality car chase scene, you know, and I think that one of our, uh, I, I think my biggest 
stipulations around uh, a good car chase scene or good action movie is is especially where especially when nowadays where a lot of action movies rely so much on cgi mm-hmm. i think that car chase scenes still allow us to still feel like the movie is actually grounded organic everything seems like it's actually happening there um does that mean that any movie that has a car chase scene in it all of a sudden is an awesome action movie clearly not uh, it still has to be directed right i mean we've seen ones that they're just so many cuts in between movie shots and a guy shifting the gear and things like that, that you can't tell what's happening. And at that point, it just looks like such a crappy car chasing at the end of it all. Uh, but nonetheless, I still feel like uh, it's not the only requirement for me to have a quality action movie, but it definitely adds a notch to the movie for me to consider it would to be one of my favorite movies of the year or, you know, favorite movies that I would ever add to an all time list or something like that. So um, yeah, I think that's, you know, you and I always talk about uh, these kind of quality shows or scenes, I should say. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I figured it'd be just really fun to kind of uh, uh, talk more about it. And I think there's still a lot more that I've yet to see, um, considering, you know, most of the movies, especially old action movies from the 70s, 80s, relied a lot on these kind of car chase scenes. And uh, I think it, it'll help me just to add to my uh, to watch list uh, for movies that you probably have definitely seen that I've yet to. Well, I hope to educate everybody a little bit on some cool car chases. Yeah. I love a good car chase. Like you said, action movies. It's my favorite movie genre for sure. Yeah. And a good car chase just adds so much to an action movie. Did you put any restrictions on yourself when building your list? Not necessarily, but the one thing I think in mind I had in mind to avoid was to not go with movies that specifically whether it's in the title or that clearly is in the in the plot that it's all about car chases or getaways or things like that. I think I kind of described a little bit to you when we first discussed uh, doing this list, but I don't say that it immediately disqualified one from my list, but it's one thing I, I kind of wanted to avoid to where it was just, uh, hey, here's a car- movie about car chases, you know, a la Gone in 60 Seconds, and here's my favorite right. scene of it or something like that. So I kind of avoided that, and uh, one of my favorite, I think, things about movies like this which i'll delve into more furthermore once we get into it is the especially when it's like a surprise uh car chase scene that you know you didn't expect to see one in a movie that whether it wasn't intended to be an action movie or something like that those are some of my 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 key guides uh, key guidelines that i wanted to go by when it comes to making this list cool yeah i had to put on similar restrictions for myself because there's so many good ones so i did use that same restriction that you discussed uh, i did not want any of my picks to be from movies based around a getaway slash a car movie. So that's like Need for Speed's out, Steve McQueen's Getaway's out, the original Gone in 60 Seconds, which has amazing scenes. That one's out for me because it's all about that chase. Uh, I also put a restriction on myself that it had to be cars versus cars. Now, that doesn't mean that like motorcycles can't make their way in, but I didn't want a motorcycle to be the main piece of it. Had to be cars versus cars for me, which takes out like the brilliant Jackie Chan Armor of God 2 chase where it's motorcycle versus cars. I also, because it was so tough to narrow this down. I say this a lot, like people come up with great lists and it's really hard to narrow it down, but I literally still have six on my list that I will have to make a decision right now while we're recording what I leave off. I, I'm I'm in the same boat right now too because I'm I think at this point if you heard me clicking away I'm almost rearranging my <laughs> my answers here and there and I'm like Ugh. I think at this point I have 15 seconds or so to make this <laughs> cut off and there we are I know I like I'm hoping that you bring one of these up so that I can 
it makes my choice easier. But <laughs> in order to slim things down, I actually decided that I don't want to use the same city twice. So I've got five oh, okay. different chases that take place. Well, six different chases right now that take place in six different cities. Oh, okay, good. Moose, let's get to the list. You know what's going to happen? Top five car chases. My first movie on my list uh, that I had was Matrix Reloaded from the trilogy, The Matrix. Here we go. Hi, you fellas. It's him. Do we proceed? Yes. He is still only human. All of our lives. We have fought this war. Tonight, I believe we can end it. That's a nice trick. Huh. Upgrades. The second movie in the mo- uh, in the trilogy, uh, the scene that I'm specifically referring to is the freeway scene that I think most people do remember since this was a, was a big blockbuster movie and I'm sure tons of people saw it. And I thought this was one of the most unique and one of the most creative car chase scenes i had ever seen i believe it was recorded you know locally to us here somewhere in fremont i want to say i think it was in the bay area somewhere alameda alameda that's right it was alameda yeah somewhere in the bay area i know and uh i think that not only because of how long the car chase scene was and how many different phases there were to it uh especially with those uh ghost twins that were trying to attack morpheus and such through their car Trinity getting onto the bike, trying to save the Keymaster, and then Morpheus trying to make sure that he's protecting everybody uh, in between and trying to diverge, you know, some of the uh, enemies that we're trying to follow. But I thought this was one of the coolest car chase scenes that I'd ever seen. Uh, At the same time, especially where it was and how they filmed it, I was still amazed by it. And it's still so memorable to me that there's no way that would have been not on my list uh, just due to that. So, yeah, the Matrix Reloaded, the freeway scene, I thought was an amazing car chasing great pick and one of my honorable mentions there's a couple things to set up for this so in the matrix obviously you have these agents and they can kind of take over people's bodies and in the second one you also have the twins who you mentioned uh so the key master is somebody that all these people are after and trinity and morpheus are trying to keep him safe uh it involves trinity on a motorcycle screaming down an actual freeway that they had built here in Alameda. Um, It was not like a a stage. They didn't shut down a freeway. They literally built a piece of freeway here. There's so many inventive moments with the twins, like ghosting in and out of certain cars. Really, really great scene. And then the way it ends. Well, I don't want to spoil how it ends, but there's a really great shot of Morpheus with a sword that is Definitely when I think of The Matrix Reloaded, it's the scene I think of. Oh, yeah. I, and and I think that I, I enjoyed it so much more because it still stayed within the realm of the, the reality of the movie and such and, and stayed within that because of these people who have this, uh, if you want to call it superhuman ability while in The Matrix, uh, the part where Trinity, while she's escaping on the bike and can't get away from these agents, uh, <laughs> just literally jumps side on the other side of the freeway and goes the opposite way. And the scene where she's avoiding oncoming traffic on a four or five lane freeway, just unbelievable to just how intense it felt, edge of your seat type of what, oh my God, what could happen and anything that it was. It was just felt like such a great 
chase that you still felt that dread of that the agents are still going to catch up to them no matter what it was impossible for me to not put this on the list i was almost sure this would be on your list when i was thinking of what what is moose going to put on his list this is like one that i knew you were going to have on your list which is why it's one of my honorable mentions yeah. not on my list uh for me number five i'm going to go with one that's probably obvious to you uh but maybe not for other people from fast five all right, listen up. The men we're after are professional runners. We find them, we take them as a team, and we bring them back. And above all else, we don't ever, ever let them get in the cars. Home sweet home. I know you and I have arguments all the time about the merits of the Fast and Furious universe. I am a lover of the Fast and Furious movies unapologetically, and I know you don't stand in that same boat oh, with me. Not at all. Let's just say it's a uh, very heated heated debate, so put it, <laughs> put it to say the least, right, as far as the, the merits of the movie, yes, or the whole series, I should say. A noted strain on our relationship for sure. As I continuously drag you to the newest Fast and Furious films as you sit there pissed off <laughs> and I sit there grinning at eating my popcorn. But Fast and Furious, the Fast and Furious series, I don't think has always been great. And I think it turned great with Fast Five because Fast Five is the moment where they really decided, you know what, we're treating these guys like superheroes. Let's just make them superheroes. And the director, Justin Lin, put everything on the table with the climactic chase scene. So let me set it up for you. If you haven't seen Fast Five, I used to show, when I was demoing my home theater setup, I used to show the freeway scene from The Matrix Reloaded, and now I show the bank vault scene from Fast Five. You've got Brian and Dom in some souped-up cars, and they're going to steal a safe. And they're going to steal the safe by hooking up winches to some souped-up cars and dragging it behind their two cars. Now I know that this is unrealistic as shit. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's ridiculous. Defies all gravity and logic. <laughs> of course. Of course it does. And I do not care because it's so fun. They are on the streets of Rio de Janeiro. They steal this drug lord's safe. They're dragging it through the city with their cars working together to make it happen. I mean, if this is real life, so many civilians die because of this but in the movie of course the only people that die are bad guys crooked cops uh, they start using this safe as a weapon by coordinating their cars and i always thought that was so fun at one point you have dom in the front car pulling it and brian reversed pushing it with the back of his car as people on motorcycles shoot at him there's a, there's a really fun moment where paul walker as brian he says oh shit, and it just sounds so genuine, like he couldn't believe what they're doing, and I just, I love that little moment. It's 11 minutes long, so much carnage, and it ends in a spectacular bridge set piece where The Rock comes into play. I love Fast Five, and I love this chase, and there's no way I could leave it off my list as my home theater demo scene. And I don't care if anybody doesn't like the Fast and Furious movies, I feel bad for you. I feel bad for you, Moose, because you don't get the enjoyment that I do out of the Fast series. And I can't wait for number nine. Maybe I have to give it another chance and just ignore that the first or second or third ones ever existed. 
Moose, number four on your list. Now I'm going to be surprised because I don't have any idea what your next four are going to be. All right. Well, uh, number four, like I said, no particular order, is Mad Max Fury Road. clearly is all about cars and i guess again i'm kind of going against my rule where i said I'm not trying to make it a movie you know list of all about car movies and car chases i don't think this movie specifically is about that but obviously there's a lot of cars and the gearheads they pray to some sort of like the chrome chrome god or you know the idea of <laughs> witness, witness me. me and you know all that yeah it's just like they, they worship the idea of, of of the car and the engine and all that so obviously it's such an odd uh apocalyptic setting you know the car chase scenes are still fantastic. This was one of the first movies or one of the uh, last movies, I would say, that very much still relied on actual stunts, actual stunt drivers and people who were physically made the car the way they are and made them into what they do. And especially the final one. Um, and obviously, just to kind of give a little bit of a, for anyone who's not seen it, it's set in a post-apocalyptic world where the whole world is it looks like basically a desert. And so water is such a hot commodity that it's, it's a luxury to have at this point. And the only thing that's really of value in the world is your water and cars, the kind of vehicle you drive. Um, but nonetheless, there's a, 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 I don't know if you want to call him a, a, a warlord or a, a or a, a, some sort of gang leader in a sense. Yeah. He's basically the a ruler. Yeah. Ruler of some sort of, a, of an area. Yeah. Um, controls all the water, controls pretty much the whole region and and people are suffering through because of it, but he has a number of army, uh, an, an army essentially under him to control it, but he has someone who sort of betrays him and he's after that person who's trying to take whatever he thinks is his and the car chase scenes that pursue uh, are just so amazing, especially because of the creativity of how they made the cars. I mean, the cars are you want to call it extreme they've made these vehicles look so extreme to where cars that have eight wheels but it's just like a like a regular size cadillac but they made it look like an a, a diesel truck or a or an 18 or a semi diesel truck that's completely just created into a platform where a guy with a guitar that shoots flames as he plays it on a on a, <laughs> on a bungee cord just to pump up yeah. the drivers and pump them up into battle i think the world is such a zany world but at the same time the car chase scenes are so fantastic with with the battles that they have in between. I mean, there's one car that's built as a tank. They made it like with, with, they made it with actual treads and gears that just essentially can run over anything that has machine guns atop to it. And I think it's just one of the zaniest movies I've ever seen, but has some of the coolest and best practical uh, special effects for any car chase scene that I've seen. The only reason this is not on my list is because for me, it fell into that, movie like the entire movie was a car chase and that's the only reason that it didn't make my list because i love it it's one of the best action movies ever made in my opinion yes i agree and the car chases my god they're spectacular i watched it with you in the theater and then i dragged my wife back to the theater to watch it with me again 
because I had to see it again as soon as possible, and the Blu-ray wasn't coming out for months. Yeah. And now that I own it on Blu-ray, I've seen it like five times on Blu-ray because it's just, it's so, it's fucking great. Number four for me is one that you know is on my list because we talked about it earlier today for other reasons, and that's 2014's The Raid 2. The Raid 2 takes place directly after the first Raid film, and if you haven't seen the Raid movies and you're an action fan, what's wrong with you? Go watch these. Directed by and written by Gareth Evans. In this one, The Raid 2, like I said, it's directly after the events of the first one, and Rama is undercover with the thugs of Jakarta and plans to bring down a syndicate and uncover the corruption within his police force. The car chase scene in here was very surprising to me because the first raid was all about hand-to-hand combat, and this one happens, well, there is some hand-to-hand combat in here as Rama is taken prisoner by some people. So Rama's in the backseat of the car, there's four other thugs in the car, and he's got a friend behind him in a car trying to save him. So Rama's in the first car, his friend's in the second car, and then there's two other cars that come in to try and basically get the tail off of their car. But as the car starts catching up to Rama's car, Rama wakes up and he starts beating the shit out of the guys in the first car with him. And it's really, really great hand-to-hand action inside of the tight confines of this car. And once the motorcycles join the chase, I mean, there's a scene where one of the motorcyclists gets too close to this dude's car. He grabs him and he's trying to get him off of the car. And the guy won't, the motorcyclist won't get off the car. So he brings a pistol up and fires like 20 shots into the guy's face, <laughs> just destroying him. There's another car that hits a median and the guy just pops out of the windshield. It's so sick. Those are both definitely closed uh, casket funerals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And then Rama is beating people up inside of the car to the point where he kicks one guy's head through the window. And his head hits a truck that's driving by in the window. So that guy's out. He also kicks another guy through a window who's hanging out of the window and then hits an opening passenger door as they drive by. It's brutal. And the way that they shot it, if you ever watched the the special features on the Blu-ray, the way that they shot it is incredible. They actually had a cameraman dressed up as one of the chairs in the car to get a lot of these shots. Wow, I which did is not know that. Amazing. That is sounds unbelievable. Wow, if you're an action movie fan and you haven't seen either of the raids, this is a very small piece of action in a movie filled with it. The raid has some of the best hand-hand fight scenes. Raid 2 just ups the ante and adds in a car chase as well. So, Raid 2, we saw this together in an empty theater. Yes, I'll never forget that. And I remember you bringing it to my attention uh, as far as especially with the reviews that you read about it before it even came out. And I couldn't believe that that was the first time I'd ever seen a brand new movie just released on a Friday. And you and I are the only people in the theaters in the theater itself. It was probably one of the coolest experiences because we didn't have any of probably our biggest pet peeve of people who talk or bring kids or anything that distracted mm-hmm. from the movie. It was essentially like our own living room. And yeah, and not only that, but such an, a fantastic action movie that as far as both of these combined, I would consider Raid 1 and 2, like you said, since it really carries over into each other, one of the greatest uh, action movies I've ever seen. Number three for you. Number three for me is the movie Drive with Ryan Gosling. If I drive for you, you give me a time and a place. I give you a five-minute window. Anything happens in that five minutes and I'm yours, no matter what. 
I don't sit in while you're running it down. I don't carry a gun. I drive. I kind of had to debate between two specific ones. The the first scene that he actually is in as a getaway driver helping what seemed to be some crooks who had hired him just as a getaway driver from a place that they just did. So I I was thinking about either the first scene or the the scene right after the main robbery that he's involved with when it comes to the 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 major major plot line of it. But if I had to pick one, it'd probably be the first, the first scene specifically, just because it kind of introduces the the setting or the tone of how the movie is going to be. Like it 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 keeps you so on edge. It keeps you so uh, tense to thinking everything that could go wrong because the way they filmed it just seemed like an actual guy driving what wasn't like the sportiest of cars, but something that was probably decently fast and, but, you know, obviously inconspicuous to not attract attention. But I think one of the coolest things was because that whole scene was shot from, I don't want to say the middle of the car, but as if you're just watching over Ryan Gosling's shoulder, it just felt like such a in your, in your seat sort of experience. So I think the first one, I had the, the privilege to be able to see this movie uh, at Comic-Con, I, my sister and I went to Comic-Con in 2011, and this was one of the featured movies uh, that they had a panel for and all that. But that later that day, after their panel, they actually had a private screening of the movie where, in fact, the director, uh, Carrie, uh, the re- director Nicholas Winding Refn, Carrie Mulligan, and uh, Ron Perlman, uh, who all are in the movie, actually were there like at the front of the theater, uh, answered some questions, and then... Uh, for about half an hour or so and really cool to just kind of get a back and forth with them although I do remember I didn't ask any questions but it seemed like the director took up like 99% of the time of talking whatever (laughs) it was so I wanted to hear something from Ron Perlman I wanted to hear something from Carrie Mulligan but it's almost like they barely peeped in a word between the two of them because the director was really just taking it and nothing was wrong with it but I'd like to hear from the actors but Nonetheless, the fact that I got to see them live as they decided, hey, and here's our movie. And I tell you this, I think the the sound that I heard from that movie, I'll never forget the sound quality to that movie. I don't know what they did that that in that showing, how loud and how in your face the sound was, was unbelievable to me that I'll never forget that uh, considering the, the, the settings of being able to see the, the director and some of the actors in there, as well as just how amazing the sound was to me. Good call. Drives one of my favorite movies of the 2010s. We couldn't buy tickets fast enough because number one, you have a, a you know a movie about a getaway driver and Brian Cranston's in there. Yeah. I'm in, and then my wife, of course, Ryan Gosling is her absolute favorite, so she was in. A great soundtrack to that one too. Just a perfect movie. I'll never forget. As soon as I left that theater, as soon as we walked out, I remember texting you, and I said specifically, like, this is you have to watch this movie. This is going to be your movie of the year. Uh, if not, you know, maybe and it, was. And it, and it, it definitely was in one of your top movies of the decade for you, obviously. So I, I knew exactly this was exactly the kind of movie you would love to watch. It's exactly up your alley in terms of what you wanted. Uh, and yeah, I, I was right. Yep. Great representation of L.A. too. Uh, I believe that first chase that you're referring to, doesn't it end at a Dodgers game or a Lakers game? Yeah, I think that was what it was. It does, Like you said, it did represent L.A. so well, considering the, the background and the settings and all that. Well, my number three, that's a good segue into my number three, which also takes place in Los Angeles. This one's from 1985 from the William Friedkin classic, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm going to bag Rick Masters. 
We got a chance to make him on a hand-to-hand -hand buy. You can't come up with the front money. You're not for real. You're not the first agents to get next to Masters. You're not wired, are you? I did not put the French Connection on here, and I know that that's probably going to be a lot of people's number ones, but I didn't put that on here because it's not car versus car, and that was one of my, one of my rules. That one's car versus train. Right. So <laughs> this one, William Friedkin, had to be on my list. Uh, it's got a great cast, but for those of you who haven't seen it, it's about a couple of L.A. detectives, and they are counter. They work counterfeit, so they're going after uh, money counterfeiters. And there's a big counterfeiter named Eric Masters, played in this by Willem Dafoe. And the police officers are played by William Peterson and John Pankow as Richard Chance and John Vukovic, or Vukovic. And they find themselves on the end. They're basically trying to figure out if a guy's wearing a wire and some people start shooting at them with M16s and then they realize they've been marked. So they got to get out of there. And they start driving through downtown LA. This is like a 10-minute chase. Uh, and it starts in industrial L.A. So they're going through like these, you know, alleyways with forklifts going all over the place and industrial trucks. And they're trying to make their way through there. William Peterson, who plays Chance, Richard Chance, he's like he's behind the wheel. He's super calm. He's super cool. He's collect. His partner, Vukovic, is panicking in the backseat like he he's not built for this. Uh, Chance is like the wild card cop and he's. He's just more dangerous. So they're driving, and, and finally they, they get out of the industrial part, and they get into the aqueduct in L.A., and, and they think, well, wow, we made it. And then all of a sudden, there's a couple of cars that come after them through the aqueduct. And then eventually they jump onto the freeway, and they start going through the, the, the wrong way of traffic. They're going on the freeway, which results in a huge pileup. It's a really awesome scene. If you haven't seen to live and Di to live and die in LA, it also has to me one of the most shocking character deaths that comes out of straight up nowhere. So have fun watching this movie; it's really great. Defoe is a great villain, and uh, William Peterson, who most people probably know from his very long run on CSI, um, got I think this was like his second role, and he was so good in this role. John Turturro's in there. Um, Robert Downey Sr. is in there. Wow, good like movie. A, a who's who of cast members at this point. To Live and Die in L.A. from 1985. That's my number three. That's awesome. I, I, I definitely never heard of it until you mentioned it now, so I definitely need to add this to my list and give it a shot. Number two for me, uh, the movie Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Same make. These were taken at the West Highland Police Station, 1984. You were there. Same model. These were taken today. You have to let me see my son. He's in great danger. New mission. Once, he was programmed to destroy the future. You don't know what it's like to try to kill one of these things. Now his mission... Get down. ...is to protect it. Again, there's two scenes in here for me that... Uh, again, I had to kind of choose between the two, and I think the one that I had to pick was the aqueduct scene. So there's two chase scenes. Obviously, I'm sure most people have seen Terminator 2, and if you haven't, I mean, it's 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 kind of if you haven't, what's wrong with you? For anybody who's listening to the list here, and you're not into you are into action movies, I would question: Are you really an action scene action movie fan? <laughs> really, at this point, but 
every, I'm sure for those who, who don't remember or haven't seen it, Terminator 2, a T-800, Arnold Schwarzenegger is back to protect John Connor, who's a future Resistance member. And uh, he has another Terminator that's chasing him. And essentially, um, uh, not necessarily always in a car, but they are is essentially like a whole chase movie, really, right? He's protecting him from another even more capable, more powerful Terminator. Uh, and one of the scenes, John Connor, who uh, normally rides around L.A. in his dirt bike, uh, on his dirt bike, uh, uh, he's at the mall at one point, and uh, the T-1000, the the evil Terminator, uh, is obviously on uh, after him. And as, as soon as he discovers where he is in the mall from an arcade, in the arcade area, uh, uh, they start running away, gets to the parking garage, gets on his dirt bike and there's that famous scene with the t-1000 running with that like karate chopping motion of action or so running after him <laughs> uh and i know that back then there was always a kind of a before memes existed kind of a meme of everybody trying to mimic his running but nonetheless he takes over a uh semi-trailer uh, uh in the middle of the road he just gr- jumps onto the truck grabs the driver throws him out and takes over and starts chasing him uh while john connor's on his dirt bike and he's on a semi-trailer in the streets of L.A. And uh, as, I, as you mentioned, uh, John Connor's doing everything he can and trying to kind of be a little wily about how he gets around, like a little rabbit being chased by a big bear or something like that. And he gets into the aqueducts at that point, which probably is one of the coolest scenes I've ever seen, where, where yeah. John Connor just is able to get through to the aqueducts without, uh, you know, just very discreetly. And as he looks back, making sure he lost the T-1000, the T-1000 sees where he is and off of an overpass jumps the whole truck into the aqueduct, dropping at least, say, 30, 40 feet. Uh, one of the coolest practical movie uh, 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 movie action scenes I've seen, or stunts, if you want to call it. This this is a, a scene that I think I've seen maybe a little bit too much of the behind-the-scenes stuff to where they actually, how they did it and such. But I still go back to this scene, just watching it as is, and still in, in awe of how well they created it, how well they did it. And again, it just was that whole, uh, you know, cat and mouse type of on your edge tense scenario to where the T-1000 gets closer and closer and he's, he's an oncoming force that seems unstoppable and uh, uh, unrelenting. And everywhere John Connor tries to get to, he he just can't get away from him. And uh, when the T-800, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, character, gets in the scene, it just has some of the coolest gun action, you know, that flip of the shotgun that he uses while driving on his own Harley Davidson uh, and helping to protect John Connor. Just just a, a unforgettable, just a fantastically shot. And, and the special effects at that point were just so well done that there was nothing like it done at the time in my opinion and still because of how amazing it looked then it still carries over so well nowadays that you watch that movie again now and you'd still be impressed with how fantastic it looks in terms of the actual practical effects that they used uh terminator 2 judgment day uh, definitely on the list good pick and another one that i could not put on my list because of the rules i put in place for myself because there was it wasn't car on car Number two for me, I hope I'm going to open some people's eyes to a movie that I think is severely underseen. This is one that was a favorite of mine from when I was a kid. And to this day, it's never been available on DVD or Blu-ray in the United States. Wow, really? So, yeah, this is a, this is considered a deep cut right here. It's from 1990, 
It's a movie called Short Time. Detective Bert Simpson is one week from retirement. This is not a good idea! And he's not taking any chances. Ready, Tiger? I hate you for this man. <laughs> he wants to spend some quality time with his wife and send his kid off to college. Can he please finish grammar school first? But a mix-up at the hospital will seriously affect his plans. It appears you have a rather rare blood disorder. We're afraid it's terminal. Terminal? Terminal? Now, he thinks he's got two weeks to live. Your life insurance policy is only good if you die in the line of duty. It means you gotta get, you know. And one week to get himself killed. Uh, it stars Dabney Coleman as a police officer named Burt Simpson. <laughs> yes, Burt Simpson. What year did this come out? 1990. No way. Oh, man. <laughs> 1990. Simpson came out in 1989, if I'm not mistaken. This was probably written and filmed before The Simpsons came out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Maybe I'll, okay, I'll give it credit there. Right. He finds out that he has a terminal disease and he's going to die very, very soon. And he also finds out that his life insurance only pays off if he's killed in the line of duty. Oh, wow. So in order to leave something, it's, it's kind of Breaking Bad-ish. In that yeah. he wants to do something for his family because he knows he's about to expire. In order to leave something to his wife and kids, this dude becomes the most wild cop that is, is ignoring danger and actively trying to get himself killed in the line of duty. <laughs> that he just can't wild. do it. That yeah, wild. it's crazy. It's great. It's so disappointing that it's not on Blu-ray. He's on the side of the road and he hears that there's a, a car chase happening and he's like, I'm going. He steps on the gas. He's in this chase. Now there's a bunch of like regular squad cars and he's in this red, uh, he's in this like red unmarked cop car. All, all the other cars are kind of trepidatious about following too close because in the perpetrator's car, they have an AK-47 that they're shooting at people. And he's like, fuck it, I'm going for it. And he just starts screaming past all these cop cars he, he like yells out loud at one point, this is for you, Dougie. You're going to college, little guy. <laughs> As he's like trying to get shot. And they're just, they, they're missing him with every turn. And he's getting pissed off because they're not shooting him. So he's, he's chasing, he's close. And then at one point they like split off because he misses the exit. And he's like, oh, he's pissed. So he tries to jump off the overpass with his car, rolls his car to the point where it's basically destroyed. And he's sitting down at the end of the at the end of the road as the car lands on its wheels and he's he sighs and then he takes his seatbelt off and you're like, well, that's the end of the chase. And then he just takes off and keeps going this time without his seatbelt. It's so good. And he's it's just such an interesting concept that he's trying to die. And these guys who are trying to get away just can't fucking kill this guy. And uh, it's it ends with him trying to put his car in front of the bad guy's car so they'll smash into him, and which they do in spectacular fashion. And of course, he walks away unharmed, oh which is what he didn't want. But it's such a great concept for a movie that I think <laughs> would be well served as like a modern remake because I think it's oh, such yeah. a great concept. I think you could probably watch the full movie on YouTube. You can definitely watch the car chase on YouTube. That's where I rewatched it to make sure it was as good as I remember from when I, from when I was little, and it is so good. Yeah, I've never I've never heard of this, never seen it. I definitely have to check this out. So there's a deep cut for people there. Short time from 1990.
All right, number one, grand finale for you, my friend. Yes, and like I said, all my movies were in no particular order. I just kind of went in whatever order I had it in. But nonetheless, these, these are some movies that I think if anybody who has not seen them should definitely check them out. Uh, my uh, my last movie on the list uh, is the movie Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm looking for a job. I'm a hard worker. I set high goals. My motto is, if you want to win the lottery, you have to make the money to buy a ticket. So what do you say? I could start tomorrow or even why not tonight? No, I'm not hiring. We're first! Go around! Get a shot inside the car! Hey, back away. I got it, I'm back, I'm back. Will this be on television? Morning news, if it bleeds, it leads. Are you currently hiring? I'm starting a TV news business. You, get back! I film breaking stories. Maybe you saw my item this morning, you were fatal carjacking. No, I mean, I don't have a TV. Do you have a cell phone? Yeah. Is that a GPS? Yeah. Congratulations, you're hired. <sighs> okay. Don't watch any trailers, don't read any synopsis about it, because it just, it doesn't really necessarily, I don't think you would explain it really well, but, you know, obviously, for the purpose of our list here, I'll, I'll give it a little bit of a, a, a synopsis or a plot line here but it's just essentially about a kind of odd character uh jake gyllenhaal uh he does not necessarily fully legal things but he steals stuff from here time to time and uh you know sells them in pawn shops or goes you know steals metal certain places and steals them at, uh, sells them at a steel mill of some sort but then just somehow out of nowhere just notices a, a tv camera crew uh one of those uh one of those uh, action kind of uh Vans that don't necessarily work for us, uh, any specific TV station or news station, but they, they, they kind of film all these kind of news, relevant news stories, and and sell them to TV stations for you know live coverage or. They're like story chasers. Story chasers, essentially, yeah. And I guess I never heard of this term, but in, 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 apparently that's what they call night crawlers, uh, which is what you know refers to that. But obviously, this really, really uh, intrigues Jake Gyllenhaal's character in, in it, and. He uh, hires someone to assist him with recording using the most basic of video cameras, but eventually starts to get some success in it. Uh, and not to go into full details of what exactly happens in terms of how the scene begins and how it's set up, but I thought this was one of the coolest setups I'd ever seen to a movie that I would never thought would have had a car chase scene in it specifically, but basically begins where he has a, a really cool Dodge, I believe it's a Dodge Challenger or a Dodge Charger. Yeah, something like something that. Like that. Yeah, something like that, a two-door Really fast muscle car that you know anybody could generally buy, but super fast. It's like bright red or bright orange bright, or something. Bright red with black stripes. Like there's no way you would miss it as a, as a fast car. The ending car chase scene, which is really the only one in there, probably one of the most fantastically shot. I've never heard a sound that the sound so well done in a car chase scene as this movie. It's probably one of the coolest and well shot scenes I've ever seen, and it comes out of nowhere. That's probably the the probably the biggest surprise to me, thinking that this was exactly how it. Uh, was shot and and speaking of movies that represent LA or showing true true LA, I thought this was one of the best movies that ever did a true without seeing the Hollywood side of LA or the fancy Beverly Hills or other you know Laguna areas as what everyday normal day to day life people see. And when you see the downtown LA, the big skyscrapers and everything kind of in the distance, in the distance, it very much uh, does such a great job of uh, still doesn't seem too far out of reach, but still. That's not exactly the L.A. that we're trying to represent, or at least the way the director is trying to shoot it. Uh, so good. So good. I haven't seen Nightcrawler since it came out, and I probably need to rewatch it. 
All right, my number one is the granddaddy of all chase scenes. You can't have a list without 1968's Bullet. Detective Lieutenant Frank Bullet, some other kind of cop. Pity the guy he works for. Lieutenant, don't try to evade the responsibility. In your parlance, you blew it. What the hell is going on here? A high-speed pursuit? Two men are killed? An officer in the hospital, a witness almost murdered. To me, I don't think Bullet is a great movie. It's kind of a boring procedural. It's about uh, Steve McQueen stars as Bullet. That's his name. And he wow. is tasked with keeping, a, he has like a witness that he needs to keep alive for 40 hours till he's able to testify. The very first part of the film is people breaking in and killing that witness. So he goes on a one-man mission to find out who killed his witness and to get to the bottom of things. It's very slow. It's kind of like a slow burn movie. It sounds interesting, at least the setup. Yeah, it's it's a good setup. It's just, I think when I first heard of Bullet having this great car chase, I watched the movie and I expected a little bit more action. And then we get to the car chase. This is what everybody remembers because it's the best part of the movie. And it's a great car chase. Up until this point, I don't think that anybody had seen anything like this. It's got an amazing setting set in San Francisco. So for you, Moose, you're going to watch this and see 1960s San Francisco. And I just think San Francisco is the best setting for a car chase because there's hills, right? The hills of San Francisco. Steve McQueen starts off in this 1968 green like forest green ford mustang and he's tailing this car pretty slowly like normally through the streets of san francisco they know that mcqueen's following them and at one point the light turns green and they just fucking scream out of their tires screeching the mustang gives chase and then we drive through the streets of san francisco they are flying over the hills it looks great you can tell there's some creative editing. This one I remember my dad showed me when I was really young. He would point out, like, you could see the same VW, the same green VW Beetle in, like, six different shots. Wow. Because <laughs> they're just using different angles. You could see the same hubcap come off a couple times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's the 60s, right? You, yeah. you had to get creative with some of that stuff. It really has a great sense of speed. You see, as they after they weave through the city, they start going up into the hills and they are flying down these hills. They are flying. It really looks like, holy moly, the, at any moment, these stuntmen could have been killed. Uh, it is, it's just a really great chase. I think if you live in the Bay Area, you got to watch it for this, the San Francisco stuff. If you're a, a fan of car chases, this kind of started it all. You can see the influence on things like the 7-Ups. You can see the influence on, on uh, Friedkin's stuff later. Bullet kind of started all that. I own the Blu-ray just for this, just for this scene. Because, like I said, I don't love the whole movie, but this chase scene is goddamn fantastic. That's that's another movie that's again I, I have to add to my list. I, uh, I have not seen this, but I've always heard about it. I've always heard about the famous. I don't know. Other movies always reference Bullet and Steve McQueen. Like I want that Mustang from Bullet with Steve McQueen, and I don't remember. I can't even recall how many times I've heard that somewhere somehow. In other movies or so but yeah obviously it seems like it was such an influential uh, uh movie as far as just how the cool factor and steve mcqueen and the car itself and it sounds like the action scenes are, 
are amazing. It's, it's funny you mentioned that that sense of speed because it makes me think of the movie The Aviator uh, with Leon, Leonardo DiCaprio where he plays Howard Hughes and he's trying to film his movie that takes place in, in planes. But whenever he's shooting the movies, he goes, man, why do the planes look so slow? Because there's no clouds for them to kind of get a sense of how fast they're actually moving. I mean, you're just against a blue screen, you know, the sky, I should say, but it just looks like you're against a blue wall. How can you tell? So yeah. I, could, I could imagine in the streets of San Francisco, a movie like this shot, like you say, jumping over hills. Like, I mean, anytime I'm driving in the city, I mean, driving normal pedestrian speeds, I'm still like half the time worried that anytime I go over that hill, uh, any hill where it just curves right over, I think I'm going to lift off a little bit, whether it's just a few inches or whatever. And so I can imagine a, a car chasing like that and how crazy for any stunt driver to, to, to try to make that work right. It's good. And it ends with an explosive ending. So definitely worth, definitely worth a look. Honorable mentions you want to rattle off? I don't want to go too much into them because I think we could probably do a number two of this list. So just maybe rattle off a couple titles that you yeah. wanted to put on but didn't have room for. You know what? Yeah, you're right. I'll probably save a couple. But I'll mention just like two or three. Uh, the Raid 2, since we can't speak enough good things about this movie and we you know, elaborated quite a bit, Raid 2 definitely was on my list as well. Um, one movie that I thought, uh, I guess kind of following under that that uh, guideline that you said had to be Carver's Car, but I didn't go by it. Uh, First Blood, the mo- Rambo, First Blood. I thought that the car chase scene, again, like a car, police car versus a motorcycle dirt bike, I thought that was a really awesome, well-done car chase scene. It wouldn't be in my top five, but I thought it was still really, really cool, and especially shot early in the 80s. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll stick to those two. Those are two honorable mentions that I have uh, that I didn't add to my list, but I still thought were, were awesome as it is. I've got a couple that I just want to rattle off real quick. The one that I that I took notes for and just didn't talk about was Ronin. Great car chase in Ronin. The Seven Ups, which I loosely mentioned when I was talking about Bullet, that one's got a great chase through New York City with Roy Scheider. And talk about sense of speed. That one, that one's it's it's great. There's a George Clooney movie with Nicole Kidman called Peacemaker that has a really interesting like the car chase scene is very short but it's got a great ending to it so i wouldn't recommend watching the full movie but check out the car chase for the peacemaker driver is another one from walter hill i think directed driver great movie armor of god the first one with jackie chan great car chase scene in there and then baby driver had a couple of car chase scenes that i felt bad leaving off but there's just so many all right moose thanks for coming on strong list Shit, I'll see you back for episode 100. (laughs) Definitely. Thank you for having me. I can't wait. Thank you for riding shotgun in this exploration of amazing car chases. If you have a list topic that you want to hear come up on Force 5, let's do it. Head to force5podcast.com for the show request form. And while you're there, take a minute and rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Follow the Force 5 podcast on Instagram and Twitter so you can tell me which car chases we missed. Intro and outro bumpers today come courtesy of Nate Spears. The top five list bumper was produced by me with music from Audio Binger. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and go watch some car chases. Force five.